When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is a fascinating topic, Does Thanks for picking this. Welcome to Pint of Football, where much like a non-league player in pre-season, we might not be bothering anymore in a few weeks' time. My name <laughs> is Daz, Lex, Matt, Sharpness, Napton, and with me, as always, it's Tom, Minutes Under the Belt, Meadowcroft. <laughs> I'm glad I made you do it this time. Yeah, it's pressure. My heart's pumping a bit, uh, especially because we are joined today by a special guest as seasoned veteran Andy Baxter jumps in. Hi, guys. And unfortunately for us, Tom, this does mean that our only regular listener might not actually bother listening to this because <laughs> he's in it. So we may well have shot Damn. ourselves in the foot by inviting him on, to be honest. My children will get hungry this week. <laughs> yeah. But before we start, Baxter, give us a, give us a bit about yourself. Sure. Well, um, I was born and raised an Everton fan. I'm from that part of the world. Um, being from Liverpool, you know, uh, you have to support Everton. Liverpool fans are from Norway and Ireland and Somerset. Um, moved to Bristol 10 years ago and I couldn't support a team in red, so I went to start watching Rovers. Top man. And uh, Tom, as a fellow Rovers man, is obviously delighted to be now two-thirds of the support base rather than just half on the pod, which must be quite nice. It's usually mm. quite... Um, we usually try and stick away from talking about Rovers as much as we can. But after the amazing draw at Melksham last week, I guess you guys want to hide. <laughs> <laughs> what we're actually here to do is for the latest episode of In The Mix, because uh, Tom and I have been enjoying trawling through every country in the world, trying to find a funny story from everywhere. We've decided to uh, go for a new flavour today, which is why we've got Baxter involved, who's been a football fan since, well, not since when we're going to start talking about, but for a long enough time. And what we're trying to do, gents, is we're trying to sort out the big question. When did football peak 
but we're not going to trawl through Wikipedia and the history books and go 1966, England won the World Cup. Yeah, great, whatever. What we're going to do is we're going to look through football's strangest matches starting in 1888. So I'm going to be rattling off these stories and inviting comments about whether you think that is the moment football peaked. Okay. We're probably going to have to do it in segments. Okay. <laughs> Settle in, yeah. 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 <laughs> so this is a, a five-hour episode. <laughs> no, it's not. Let's go get a palm. Yeah. <laughs> what we're going to do, before we start, actually, I just want to ask a very quick overview from first Tom. When, in your opinion, would you say football did peak? Unless it hasn't yet. Maybe it will next Sunday. Wow. Yeah. I mean, for me, as a relatively new person to football, football peaked in 2016 when Bristol Rovers got a double promotion. Um, I certainly don't think Rovers will ever be that good again. And since that time, I've grown more and more disillusioned. Um, but I don't know. I don't know much about the past. I know a lot of people get really misty-eyed about the 90s and stuff. So, and no, hopefully this will be educational for me. That was it. After that second promotion, there was a sense that it was only going to be downhill from there and such it's proved. Um, so there is an argument to sort of stop at that point and think, right, this is it. We've had our fun. <laughs> yeah, I know. Maybe, yeah, maybe on that day of 2016, maybe you should have just stopped following football and ended on a high. Yeah. I mean, in the benefit of hindsight, that would have been fantastic. <laughs> uh, go on then, Baxter. When do you think football might have peaked before we dig well, into this? Without meaning to let the listeners behind the curtain, you did give me a heads up on a sort of general um, outline of, the, of the, the topic and the episode, and I instantly forgot everything that's ever happened in football ever. <laughs> um, so that took a bit of time. Um, the first thing, bizarrely, that came to mind was when Delia Smith got on the microphone <laughs> drunk. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm going to have to watch that uh, after the episode because that was just <laughs> both incredible and bizarre at the same time. And I imagine Norwich fans look back on that with um, a great deal of fondness. Yeah, I would have I been think... so confused if that had happened to Rovers. I, I wouldn't <laughs> have been able to accept it as real. Another I acid guess, flashback. I guess, yeah, it's like standout moments like that. Like, for me, I, I, I think what you just said, Tom, about getting misty-eyed over the 90s. For me, growing up in the mid-90s, I didn't particularly care as much about it when I was growing up as when I got to sort of teenage years but I think yeah the sort of turn of the millennium was was quite a good time I used to even though the so-called England golden generation never lived up to what the current true golden generation is doing now I still really yeah. enjoyed that sort of time with that squad of players and weirdness of having Sven as the manager and the 2002 yeah. World Cup where used to like skive off primary school to watch the nil nil against Nigeria. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was that was that was good. That's not yeah. really been topped in some ways. So yeah. Was it that tournament when they there was all the um controversy about taking Walcott and then didn't bring him off the bench? Was no, that, that I, tournament? That was after that. That was I think South Africa. Yeah. I think that was like 2010 maybe or it might have been the one uh, before okay. that. It was a bit after but yeah. I don't, that was Sven, wasn't it? I don't know. Maybe not. 
But yeah, so we think it might have been Delia. It might have been the nil-nil draw with Nigeria in 2002, or it might have been Walcott at some point going to the World Cup. Some very, well, very strong suggestions uh, in the beginning. There's a reason they call it the beautiful game. <laughs> right. So we're going to start off with the first story. Let me take you back to December 1888 in London. And I'm about to tell you the story of the crossbar protest. Ooh. We begin. This was the year that Crew Alexandra reached an FA Cup semi-final. So on to a strong start. <laughs> Along the way, they played a strange match with the Swifts in Kensington. Now, already, I'm really glad from the second sentence in that Kensington Swifts don't exist anymore because they sound like a horrible team. <laughs> All right, we're the Kensington Swifts. We yeah. got more kneecaps than you've had at dinners. <laughs> so, crew progressed to the fourth round, which weirdly was called the last 23. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it just it just seems mathematically wrong. I mean, I know there was different <laughs> rules. I know there was different rules back then, but I don't remember prime numbers ever being a feature of the FA Cup system. So That's anyway. Crew had progressed to the fourth round. They had a bye in the third round, as would nine clubs in the fourth. Well, I'm not surprised if these are the numbers they're playing with, the last 23. But anyway, Crew and the Swifts drew their fourth round tie to all at Crew, and they replayed on the new Queen's ground in West Kensington. The Swifts won 3-2, but Crew protested that the crossbars were at different heights. Oof. Can you okay. can you even Baxter? Can you even begin? You've you've played in goal, haven't you? Sort of in your yeah, yeah. Can you I mean, going into the to each other? half and doing the bit where you jump up and swing on the crossbar, and in the first <laughs> half you've reached it comfortably, and in the second half you can't quite. <laughs> it just hits you in the head. <laughs> you see, it might it might say more about my the way my mind works, but I was envisaging envisioning a sloped crossbar rather than, than being at different heights at different ends of the pitch <laughs> oh. so you, could hit, you could hit one into the top corner to the left but not to the right you know oh yeah i see what you mean different yeah. heights yeah between me to itself yeah <laughs> the triangular crossbar was ruled <laughs> out in uh, 1890 of course <laughs> okay well it might be an urban legend but i swear someone told me that in the very early days of the game there was no crossbar and it was just kind of like a gentleman's agreement whether it was low enough or not. So, yeah, I, I think that is true, actually. And I'm not sure if by this point, uh, obviously, the crossbar had been invented. Crossbar had but... been standardised by this time. <laughs> well, that's it. Maybe it wasn't a standard thing, but I think probably in FA Cup matches, they had like the <laughs> generic, these are the actual rules, and then regionalised. It was just like, well, now nah, we don't need a crossbar. I really enjoy like... Uh, early day, really early days of football where this kind of obvious stuff wasn't in place. So let me go on to uh, tell you what the crew in Nantwich Chronicle had to say about the matter. The height of the goalposts formed the basis of an appeal against the result. A measurement mm -hmm. revealed that they were within a few inches of the specified height. So actually, what happened was both sets of goalposts were even but they just weren't to the standard height. 
This is a fascinating topic, Gaz. Thanks for picking this. Well, it's, it's it, seems, very... it seems a bit vague. They were within a few inches of the spe- of the of the, the specifications. They weren't at the specifications. Exactly, but yeah, but no, the appeal was upheld. The teams had to do another replay at a neutral ground, and Crew managed to beat the Swifts two one at Derby. After the controversy, the FA passed a rule that protests about the ground markings and goalposts must be made before kickoff and not after the game. That's sensible, I suppose. It did recently. <laughs> it did recently happen. Don't you remember um, Mourinho at a European match turned up and said the goals were the wrong size? Well, he would say that, wouldn't he? Yeah, this, if it was this, anyone, this, it'd be him, wouldn't it? This seems like the kind of thing that someone who already expects defeat would say. You know, if things go badly, just claim that the goalposts were oval or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, you do hear that people, people moaning about the grass being too long or too short. And, you know, I imagine this is along that same kind of lines, isn't it? It's the same for both teams. It's just sort of get on with it. It's, it's fine appealing when you get beat, but, you know, if they'd have won, you wouldn't have heard anything. Yeah, because like everyone knows, um, Cambridge United did that on purpose when they were up in the sort of top leagues. They kept the grass long in the corners uh, on purpose, so they just lump it up there. It's completely bypassed the whole midfield. In my opinion, having played in probably the worst and most horrible flooded pitches of East Yorkshire on the middle of the cliffs, I would say home advantage. If that's what you're choosing to do. If you want to have, if you don't want to have your goals, just put a couple of jumpers down. Wherever the home team, that's what we're doing. Have a bit of that. That's I think opinion. like measure. If some if someone's gone and measured uh, the goals, and it's like inches or millimeters apart, then that's in the same kind of territory as VAR. You might technically be correct, but what the hell are you doing? Yeah, the worst kind of correct, isn't it? I was kind of hoping in December 1888 we wouldn't already be making comparisons to VAR, Tom, but... Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Let me conclude then how the story ended. Crew went on to beat Derby in the fifth round and Middlesbrough in the sixth. Their semi-final opponents were Preston, who were then invincible. The game was played in Liverpool with, I quote, a lake in the middle of the ground. Um, I'm not sure if that was um, a, a feature or a, a maybe part of the weather forecast of the day. I'm not sure. But either way, crew lost 4-0 and made a complaint about the state of the ground. Which was not... The fucking lake, <laughs> That one was not upheld. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that is the, the crossbar protest. Do we think by this point football has peaked? Um, no, I think that was a that was a really boring story. <laughs> Tame beginnings. Well, don't worry because we've got such classics like the one man team, the four minute game, and Ooh. the trusted goalkeeper yet to come. I was hoping for cigarette breaks, brandy all round. You know, <laughs> last week we there wouldn't have been um, cigarette breaks. Like the players would have had one on. During the game. Ah, yeah, good point. Yeah. Well, look, looking into the into the lake that was in the middle of the pitch. <laughs> yeah. The 
the days when whiskey bottles were replaced by water bottles in the goalkeeper's net. <laughs> they were the real sad days. So back to you in agreement that we haven't peaked yet. I, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's not what they call a page turner so far, is it? <laughs> There's about 200 stories to go, so let's see how let's see how much better they get. Right, we're going to go with the mystery game in Sheffield, August 1889. So we're a good half a year on now from uh, the crossbar protest. Several local football dignitaries decided to form football section of the Sheffield United Cricket Club. So far, so good. (laughs) Bramall Lane was big enough to take cricket and football. At first, it was a club without players. Right, well, this is the point where I start to question it. Basically, they've just found a big field in a city that already has loads of football teams. It's where football began. And they've gone, well, why don't we make another football team? They haven't got any players. Brilliant! They've just obviously gone, oh, this cricket pitch is big. Why don't we make it into another football ground? Why don't they just go over to Harlem or play at Chef Wednesday or something? I don't know, Daz. Why does anyone start a football team? Why did we want to start Shelton Dynamo when we were in Stoke? Well, yeah, to be fair. because it was a cool name. All we had was a cool name. Maybe we want to start a football club. We're well, going for like a field of dreams kind of thing if they build it. <laughs> if we, yeah. yeah, that's probably what it is. If you build it, they will come. But yeah, yeah I mean, going back to the name thing, Tom, I mean, Sheffield mm-hmm. United Cricket Club doesn't necessarily shriek amazing football team name, does it? No. It's no, not it exactly Kakamega Homeboys or anything. All right, don't, don't, don't start with our names again. Yeah, anyway... Advertisements in the local newspaper weren't especially successful. Only three players were acquired. Um, what? And... <laughs> well, you said they had no players. Were they just going to have three players? They, they signed up three from an advertisement. And because of this, the first sign suggested the club wouldn't be accepted very easily. <laughs> Chef Wednesday were already established. Another Chef Wednesday. The 1 1 1 formation. <laughs> <laughs> Other, other Sheffield clubs were looking at the newly formed Sheffield United very suspiciously. They still are, I think. Mm. Um, so the new club tactfully recruited outside of Sheffield where they brought players in from Scotland, um, as, as was often the case back then. By the end of the summer, Sheffield United had a team of assorted players, the best of whom turned out to be Howlett's, a bespectacled goalkeeper from Gainsborough. Oh, nice, nice. Oh, don't no. mock bespectacled goalkeepers. I shall not. I also like the idea of that board meeting they had. Right, we've all seen footballers, but where are they? <laughs> Scotland. I Just go there with a big net and get me nine footballers. <laughs> Anyone on the bus. But they ended up with a team anyway. But what happened is the club gathered all the new players at a mystery location and sneaked away without telling anyone where they were going. Mm. The mystery. This this is starting to sound an awful lot like a kidnapping. (laughs) (laughs) No, officer, it was a football game. (laughs) One Sheffield reporter who claimed to be the Sherlock Holmes of reporting, he was also accompanied by... Sheffield Wednesday's captain, Ted Brayshaw, who followed them. So you've got this team of 
made-up Scotsmen and three random <laughs> Yorkshire folk being told that they're sneaking off one night and then about 50 feet behind, you've got the Sherlock Holmes of reporting and Sheffield Wednesday's captain on foot following them. And in the end, they were able to reveal that Sheffield United had travelled as far as Harlem Cricket Club at the other <laughs> side of the city where they lost 3-1. <laughs> Quite the adventure. It's a lot of intrigue for um, a friendly. Yeah, and it's a lot of suspense for ultimately just some lads walking a couple of miles down the road for a match. Yeah, I I think the sort of beginning promised more than the the, the payoff there, didn't it? Um, I like them sneaking up to Scotland. I like the Sherlock Holmes figure. He was good. But then, yeah, they just went and had a kickabout. (laughs) Another fantastic story. (laughs) Trust me, it gets better. But sadly, I don't think within this episode we'll have time to cover anymore. Oh, okay. So before we round up with uh, Tom's uh, legendary dad joke, do we think, Baxter, that football has peaked by this point? No, no. <laughs> I still think we've got other depths to plunge. I love, I love that you're sort of at least giving it a bit of thought already. <laughs> I mean, what's it going to be like when we get to the good stuff? Yeah, that's true. Those are going to be the good episodes, so stick around, folks. Uh, but yeah, so that, we're, we're two stories in, and so far in the summer of 1889, we can agree that football has not yet peaked. We'll pick this back up at some point. Um, let's hear from Tom. Why didn't the melons get married? Because they cantaloupe. Oh. You're about to become a father, Dax. You've got to bone up on this. Oh, yeah, I suppose. As a, as a dad to be, have you got any uh, dad jokes? Um, oh, wow, not to put me on the spot or anything. Um, I told my mum I got a new job at a bowling alley. She said, I'll temp in. I said, no permanent. <laughs> Goodbye and good night. Bye. Thanks, guys. Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.